This podcast is brought to you by PC component retailer and boutique builder Silver Knight PCs. Use offer code Broken Silicon to get six percent off everything on their website. And it is also brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com that gets you great deals on Windows keys and other products. You can find links in the description and the proper offer codes for all of these sponsors, and we'll talk about them later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Exhausted Before the Holidays, Tom. I'm joined today by my co-host, well, Dan. We'll just go with Dan. Nothing, Nothing creative. stupid or clever. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that may even be a better indication that you're tired if you don't take five seconds to think about some <laughs> stupid little intro name, right? Like, cause we've done that. It's like, I, I have no intro. Let's just, we got, let's go, let's get this done and over with, you know, we just finished recording. I finished recording and making the, uh, what's wrong with RDNA three video, which we'll get into that later. You know, right now, this is the first part of like, and the recording. answer is nothing. Correct. No, nothing's wrong with RDNA three. <laughs> it's doing fantastic. Yeah. I, I want to save all my energy for that part. That's, that's you're trying to get, you're trying to derail me and I won't let it happen. This train cannot be stopped. Um, but, you know, this is the first episode that is kind of part of the end of year series. Now, uh, I plan to release it. And if you're listening to this on a Sunday or a Monday, you'll notice it did come out early, uh, a little early compared to usual. It's like half. It's going to start with like half a normal broken Silicon news episode going over the news in the past couple of weeks that we haven't covered, you know, either with Adored TV or that won't be covered in other videos. And then. For, you know, the last section, we'll just look back at like the first third of the year and then leave it to me and David in the follow up episode to discuss all of the rest of uh, 2022 and looking forward to the few subjects he said he wanted to talk about for products coming out in 2023. And there'll be another episode that comes out right next to the new year, right next to New Year's Eve, where me and you, Dan, look forward into 2023 and anything coming after that that we have anything to talk about. So this episode is half of a, new, a normal one. Then looking back at the beginning of 2022, then there's going to be a whole episode pre-recorded with David, looking at most of 2022 and a little of 2023. And then the final one of me and you looking at all of 2023 and later. So that's why it's going to be a little weird, but... um and why it's coming out early but you know it's that time of year where we pre-record like enough content for two or three weeks so we can try to get enough sleep near the end of the year and uh i don't know let's just uh roll right into it then so got a couple opening reader mails here uh qh freddy writes in and says do you reckon that usps lost your 3090 or do you think maybe it's still mining somewhere today <laughs> um you know and this is relates to I, I didn't, you know, confirm it to really anyone until that 4090, 4080 review came out where I talked about how the I'd actually been gaming on a 3050 for over a month. Mm -hmm. That was supposed to be an emergency temporary card that ended up being just a card I used for a significant amount of time uh, simply because 
Yeah, the 3090 disappeared. I was doing some collaboration with Silver Knight PCs. I'm glad to have gotten to do a new one with the 4090. So it's all turned out well. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they were going to upgrade a blower 3090. USPS lost it. And we do, me and uh, the owners of Silver Knight PCs, kind of think maybe someone just stole it. Would you yeah. agree, Dan? We yeah, think someone no, just stole it. There's no way to know for sure, but like probably. I think I've talked about that before. Uh, a guy, somebody I know here at school uh, had the same thing happen to their PS5. So, uh, yeah, it's annoying. Well, but tell everyone what happened when tell them how when he found out it had disappeared, because the whole story is interesting. It's like 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. So uh, it, it, he like wasn't getting it that uh, the FedEx people said that they had tried to deliver that no one ever tried to deliver it. Then it got lost in shipping a couple days later, and then he called Sony, and Sony immediately bricked the console, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, Sony could tell it had been activated and said, well, he won't be using it any longer. Yep. (laughs) So So, at at least they dealt with it well, I think. I mean, there's no way anything with your 3090 could have really been done. It was, you know, a bot used one, but... Yeah, it's just depressing. And the people at Silver Knight PCs were a little depressed, too, because even though, it, again, it's all working out for the better for us here, I, I got them more ad spots in return for me being able to get a special 4090. It worked out for both of us better than otherwise. But that was like a unicorn 3090, the MSI blower one. They don't even think they sold it in the U.S. So <laughs> they wanted to get their hand. And it looked like Fermi. It looked like a, a GTX 480. So I thought that was extra funny. And I don't know. They wanted to see it. They, you know, neither of us were happy that happened. But it, it worked out for the best. Um, Amy Will Chief writes in and says, Tom, regarding your lost 3090, everyone's putting it in quotes. Everyone seems to be on the same page. It was probably stolen. He says, I want to get my condolences. I almost feel like getting mail insurance on a USPS package is like painting a big red target on it, especially in today's world of high inflation. It is a double-edged sword at best, but this way at least you've got some of your money back. Do you think UPS and or FedEx might have better shipping options, even if it's a little more expensive? That one's hard for me to say because I know of people getting their packages stolen from everyone. Yeah, it's not like just a USPS thing. And I'd had very, very good luck with USPS before that. Um, I, I have some suspicions on specifically more what could have gone down, but I, I, I don't want to get into it because mm-hmm. it's like, why make allegations or whatever? But, you know, we've seen packages get stolen with all of them, honestly. And I don't know what to say, except that it can happen and you should get insurance because they will pay it. And they did give me money back. So I, I would say get the insurance if you need yeah. it. Right? <laughs> um, all right. Let us then move on to corrections. Brett Summers writes it and he says, I have a correction about the 13600K versus 7600X discussion you had in Broken Silicon 182. You stated that the performance difference between the 13600K and the 7600X was 10% in gaming, and it's not. According to Hardware and Box 50 ish game tests, the 7600 and 13600K are within 4 to 5% of each other most of the time, which is less than a gap of Zen 2 to Coffee or Comet Lake for gaming, which most people seem to agree is virtually identical, and I provided a link to prove it. Uh, Brett, when I say that, I'm talking about the i5 with DDR4 because, and I probably forgot to say that in that conversation. But mm-hmm. 
when I talk about how the 7600X beats the i5 by 10% in gaming, I mean, if you're using the i5-13600K with DDR4, and I'm not crazy, right, Dan? That's what we see on Reddit. People saying, look at my DDR4 i5. And it's like, well, yeah, now, but you're like, you are a lot weaker than the 7600X. Yeah, that, I mean, that's going back to like the whole conversation where we've had where people are like trying to have their performance cake and uh, eat their money saving cake too, if that makes any sense. And it's like, I don't know what your goal is here. Uh, you're the person buying your stuff. I mean, if this is what you need to like inflate, like your purchasing decision, I, I guess you can do that, but it's, it's stupid. Right. And so I guess what our point is, it, what my overall point is, is decide which one it is. Are you trying to save money or are you not? If you're trying to save money with the i5 and you're getting a DDR4 system, it is weaker. It is just as close to Zen 3 performance as it is to 7600X DDR5 performance. And you're still going to need to get way more expensive cooling. So mm -hmm. there is a cost saving because you went with DDR4, but you could have also gotten a 5800X3D, cheaper DDR4, cheaper cooling, cheaper platform. And it would also be the or tie the i5 or something in gaming. So I, you know, but if you're going for maximum performance that's only a little weaker than the 7600X, well, then you're buying DDR5 and all this other shit. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, like that that's my point. And no, I, I I probably throw around that phrase too much now. And I need to say an i5 with DDR4 is 10% worse than 7600X. I probably forget to a lot. Um, all right. SNES Chalmers writes in and he says, looking back to the RDNA3 leak from April 2022 uh, from your channel, and then looking around at other people's Navi 31 and Navi 32 specs leaked around the same time eight months ago, at least a lot of the rumors pointed to 15360 stream processors, 256-bit uh, bus, 375 to 400-watt TDPs, and 256 to 512 megabytes of infinity cache. Um, with multiple graphics dies proposed by some people in a singular MCD slash IO die. It seems like the only leak specs that survived until now was a chiplet architecture with five and six nanometer TSMC nodes. To be frank, what happened? Were these different prototype designs that ultimately were shelved or scrapped? Bad information from sources, either intention, uh, intentionally or unintentionally? So, uh, yeah, and I, I will say this. I wish more people would submit corrections when a leak we put out is wrong but that's why we have a correction section um but all i can do is speak for what i said i never said fifteen thousand cores i never said you know some of the things you mentioned like multiple graphics dies what i knew at the time is what mi 300 looked like and that's proven correct what i also knew at the time is a host of specs for navi 31 32 and 33 it seems like the bus for 33 is correct. It seems like the performance, well, who's to say what the performance really is? We'll get into that in a second. Um, but yeah, the infinity cache thing, the bus thing, I don't know. I think one of my sources was mixing up some of the Navi 32 specs and some of the Navi 31 specs at the same time as we know that AMD did play around with uh, infinity cache stacks that were two and three high. So... Yeah, there's no way around it. There were some prototypes with that much infinity cash that didn't come out. And uh, all I can say is some of the stuff just didn't pan out. Mm -hmm. And I was preparing a leak right before Angstronomics put out that. It would probably have come out a month after his article, though. 
um, about like correcting some of the specs. Like before Angstronomics confirmed the specs, I knew about the 384-bit thing. Uh, I wasn't sure about Infinity Cache yet, but I was pretty close to confirming at least I'd say 90% of what he was going to say. And I feel really dumb for not doing it sooner because he puts out his leak and then it's like, well, now it just looks like I'm copying him. And I admit it does. Um, so I don't know what else to say except that my early leak, some of the stuff was wrong. I would expect some of it to be. He put out the correct information before I could. And either way, I'm not going to feel nearly as much pressure to rush out ha- uh, like to rush out information before it's triple confirmed. When I know mm-hmm. someone like Sky Juice at Angstronomics is going around. And you guys got to remember that I felt a lot of pressure last year to do this when you had like some of these freaking leakers just putting out absolutely ridiculous things. Like there's desktop Zen 3 Plus, you know, like there's a lot of bad leaks going around in 2021. I think when Moore's Law is dead firmly established its good track record to where I would put out some leaks before it was 100% confirmed on some of the specs because I just wanted the bad stuff to keep circulating. Like, when I put out my first Navi 31 leak, I was saying it's around double the performance. No one says it's triple or quadruple, and people are saying it could be 4.5x the performance of RDNA 2. But now that I know we have someone like Angstronomics, I'm just not going to worry about that anymore, and I, I shouldn't have let that make me rush out stuff I wasn't sure about. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the good news is there's a few good leakers going around right now. I mean, not everybody is great, but, <laughs> you know, the leaker space is always going to be a mixed bag. Right. Obviously. And, you know, when you have someone like Angstronomics there, you don't need to try to get information out of sources they're not sure of yet. Like someone working at AMD is like, well, I'm pretty sure it's this, but it could also be this based on this one engineering sample I saw a year ago. I'm not going to feel rushed to push that kind of stuff out anymore Be- or, or like deduce what Navi 31 is mm-hmm. based on looking at MI 300 because I don't need to. So yeah, that's really all I can say. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to say because I don't want to throw shade, but there are Twitter channels that have deleted themselves where they basically guessed every single spec that could even be possible. And that's where some of those specs came from, like the 15,000 cores thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a reason they deleted their Twitter channel, guys. All right. Well, speaking of, I don't know. I don't have a transition. Speaking of bad things regarding RDNA 3, let us move on to story number one AMD RX 7900 XTX and XT launch to mixed reviews and good availability. I have a very short write up on this. Here it is. This week, AMD finally launched their next-gen RDNA 3 architecture, and it is as follows. The $1,000 ARC 7900 XTX loses to the 4080 in ray tracing and wins in raster by 4 to 9%. The $900 7900 XT ties the 3090 Ti almost entirely across the board, and AMD doesn't seem to have had any efficiency wins in sight, certainly not at idle. No, this is not what AMD said they'd launch last year, this year or a month ago, and it's clear, at least to this writer here, that they fell short of their design goals for now, and it's interesting to see the 7900 XT, while it did seemingly outsell the 4080 at first, now languishing in stock on store shelves relative to how AMD expected it to sell, well, 4080 sales are picking up on Newegg. All right, Dan, 
What did you think of RDNA 3? This is the episode where we get to talk, me and you, about it. You know, it was a bit of a disappointment, (laughs) to say the least. I I think um, AMD really set themselves up to make this far more disappointing than it had to be. Because uh, the way I would put the 7900 XTX launch, especially, not the XT, uh, is that it's nothing to write home about at the end of the day when it comes to like performance but it's about it, it's about a middle of the road upgrade when you like actually look at uh previous gen over gen uh upgrades and i think people might be forgetting that a little bit because uh ampere and rdna 2s was a huge uplift in performance and the 4090 again was a huge uplift in performance uh and then some of the other stuff, pr- prior stuff with NVIDIA was also pretty big. But, y- you know, if you like look over the past 10 years, like 30 to 40% is pretty a- typical. And for mm-hmm. s- they needed to overstate that for some reason uh, that I'm sure we can get into. Uh, but the XTX is like, it's fine. If they wouldn't have lied, I don't think reviews would have been as harsh on them. And then the 7900 XT is kind of just bad <laughs> at $900. The, the 7900 XT should be 800 at best. I mean, if it were $800, I think you could sell it. But at $900, it's, it's very stupid. No, I, I entirely agree. And I pointed this out in my, uh, my day of launch analysis video where I said... You know, if you really look at it, the 7900 XT is about 25% weaker than the 4080, while being about 25% less expensive. But I guess it has more RAM, and I guess it isn't stupidly sized. So one of the major problems with the 4080 isn't there, and it's giving you extra RAM. So do I think it's a better offering than the 4080? Yes, but I think it's pretty close to it in stupidity. Yeah, I, I mean, twenty five percent cheaper, twenty five percent less performance. Ooh, X- I was harsh to the forty eighty. I mean, then the this XT isn't that and, much better. The XT and forty eighty, uh, I, I think, are pretty are uh, sibling cards in some ways because both of the high, their higher tier counterparts uh, are better when it comes to a value proposition, which is just weird when never happens. And they are both pretty similar price performance. And I think that's the thing that uh, TechSpot's review highlighted well. The uh, 7900 XT is basically in line with the 6800 XT's price performance from two years ago, which is ridiculous. It's Uh, absolutely ridiculous. And like the 7900 XTX, you can't say the same thing. I'm not going to say it's like some... Uh, some amazing thing to write home about compared to the 6900 XT from two years ago, but at least it's the same price and 30 to, 30 to 40% stronger than the 6900 XT uh, on average, depending on the review you're looking at. So at least there is a increase in, uh, or a decrease in price performance that you don't get uh, from the 7900 XT, which is just ridiculous. And that's why... <laughs> That's why it should be $800. I, I, I really don't know what they were thinking 
by pricing that at nine hundred dollars or calling it a seventy nine hundred. But well, I think I can tell you. I was just looking on AMD.com what I think AMD was thinking. Uh, when you go there, they still have the six nine fifty XT, which is only like ten percent weaker for eight hundred. And I think as long as that remained in stock, they were like, well, we can't make this 800. That's 800. When it's like, dude, just make that 700 then and make this 750 or 800 so that it's reasonable. Because what I'm looking at right now is congrats, AMD. You didn't undercut the seven, the 6950 XTs that are still in stock. But guess what? That god dang 7900 XT is still in stock on your website too, which is pretty crazy for a next-gen card launch. And I think you're seeing a similar situation to the 4080 where people just don't want it. AMD and NVIDIA are going to have to accept reality and drop prices on these cards, I think. Uh, uh, all the 7900 X, well, now that that's out next to the 4080, all these cards really do is... Kind of including the 7900 XTX, even to some extent, mm-hmm. although less so than the 4080 and 7900 XT. They kind of just make me think if you're going to go for it, get a 4090. If not, buy a used 3090, 3090 Ti, or 6900 XT. And Absolutely. It's just, it's just those are the better value propositions. Sure, you're, uh, uh, Sure, your uh, ray tracing performance isn't going to be as good with the 6950 XT or 6900, but frankly, the 3090 Ti is better if you care about ray tracing than uh, either of those cards, really, than either of AMD's RDNA 3 offerings so far. And uh, their uplift in ray tracing really isn't that impressive versus RDNA two in a lot of ways. It's almost it's like, like it's not an uplift in the get in the so cards aren't working. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think at this point in time, you have to accept like the forty ninety is the card that you get if you want relatively compromised free ray tracing performance and everything Even in else. Four K high refresh, yeah, yeah, and everything else is some degree more of compromise with like the 4080 being the least so but once again that's just a stupid card but then you have to compromise how big it is and it's really not better you know yeah yeah um so i think the 6900 xt or the 3090 ti whatever you if you can get one of those instead i kind of think those are a better deal than rdna3 or the 4080 Mm -hmm. i 100% agree and i think especially if you're in 1440p We've seen how good RDNA 2 specifically is at 1440p. I, I just don't see why you would need more than that. It just yeah. crushes 1440p high refresh rate gaming. You don't need more performance anyways. There's no need to spend 50% more. Um, Melodic Warrior writes in and says, I'm going to be blunt on this one. I highly disagreed with your analysis of the 7900 launch. I think your information from sources about the drivers and supply was good to have, and I appreciated it, but I do think that your argument that AMD and Radeon marketing lied is incorrect. First of all, marketing teams have to go off of what engineers tell them. My guess is they were really hitting those targets, but at some point probably started running into software bugs no one is able to account for. Then add in the fact that it is the first time a chiplet design is used in consumer graphics products. That happens, there are far more variables that have to be accounted for, and I'm guessing it is just one of those variables or multiple together that started to cause those issues in the drivers. Lastly, a new way of doing something will always have major issues. Well, no. That's like, just because something's hard doesn't mean you have to have fuck it up. I disagree on that. 
Like that's that's the type of thing we say when we just forgive people for something going wrong. Like DLSS didn't have to suck when it came out. They yeah. could have just not <laughs> launched it until it was ready. Crazy thought. But let me continue as reader mail. He says, do I think they should have changed the material for the slides before announcing the launch date? Yes, I do. I think AMD shot themselves in the foot with how they marketed things. That's what Daniel Owen said, and I agree with him. But let's be honest, this naming scheme of the cards was also unnecessary. Oh, yeah, so he's basically saying he pretty much agrees with everything else and that they could have handled it better. But I I mean, look, to a certain degree, sure, you know, and I guess this is where I will get into it. You know, I put out a video right before we started recording this that broke down what I think went wrong with RDNA 3, which I think me and you, Dan, I've been discussing what I've been hearing from sources on this for a few days now. Um but just to summarize for everybody here, I mean, pretty much what it seems like happened is AMD thought they had the greatest thing since sliced bread in 2021. They they really thought they were going to hit the same efficiency increase they did the previous gen. They thought they were going to roughly double performance. When you see how AMD talks about RDNA 3 at the beginning of this year, they, they're like super confident and like, we're going to win. Look at our efficiency increase. And then right around November 3rd, they started being like, we think it'll be this good. And then about a week after that or a few days after that or something, they started saying it's a 4080 competitor. I think people forget this. This is almost like an inverse of what happened with Zen 4 is 15% or more better than Zen 3. AMD said Zen 4 was like above 5 gigahertz, 15% or more better. Everyone thought it sucked. Then they went out and basically said, no, it's way better than that. Don't worry. With RDNA 3, they went out and said up to 70%, depending on the slide, up to 82% better than RDNA 2. And then everyone said 4090 competitor confirmed. And then they said it's a 4080 competitor. They did not say that before. So it's almost like they had to walk it back. And I make the argument in the video I put out before this that I truly do think AMD thought they had a 4090 competitor. If you look at the amount of silicon they're using, if you were to add the extra infinity cache tiles, they would have as much or more silicon used in the 4090 you know, depending on how you count it. Mm-hmm. Maybe like it could have been close to like almost a 700 millimeter square die total. That is a 4090 competitor. They thought they had one. The only reason they didn't use those extra tiles is because clearly the compute units don't freaking work. And while they always had examples like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 where they beat the 4090 and everything looks great, they thought they could just cherry pick benchmarks, present to you guys what they thought they were going to do, And then six weeks later, maybe the drivers would work, but they didn't. So I think that's clearly what happened. And I just, I don't, I I, I blame marketing. I I guess, you know, he's saying the engineers told them. I just think it's unfair to say the engineers screwed up or marketing screwed up. Everyone together, something went wrong here. And I've leaked that the Radeon team's working over the holidays on drivers. I, I think something clearly went wrong. They decided they had to launch this year. And we're we're at where we're at, but I don't think it's fair just to say marketing screwed up or that engineering screwed up. I don't. Yeah, I mean to say that like you completely disagree. I mean, at this point, engineering or marketing, all we can see is the the what was presented to us, and we can say that it was mismarketed. I don't know. Maybe that was because there was a conspiracy at the graphics division to lie to 
the marketing division or something. I don't think but they at intentionally the the, wanted to I, I, lie, I know. right? But I think they heavily cherry-picked, thought they would fix it, and then whatever. And especially with the efficiency claim that is just so obviously not a 54% efficiency increase that they mm-hmm. thought they were going to hit that, guys. They don't show slides like that unless they think they'll hit it, but they didn't. Yeah, it, the the AMD that marketing presentation is just interesting now because like y- you can almost see like the cognitive dissonance in it though where it's like half of it was insanely cocky and half of it is um mm-hmm. feels like they're I, uh, I I don't know the word for it half of it feels like they're indecisive uh, unsure yeah yeah uh, unsure of what they're going to get like all of that up to crap which I really don't think. That they is very front and center with their marketing, like you see it on some of their marketing materials always, but that's never been up like the way they present all of their performance data. And then the other half of it is just like this entire cocky thing where it feels like they're taking a victory lap after they've preemptively decided they beat NVIDIA this generation for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe... Maybe they would have had a good presentation if they would have just been more honest with it. And they said, hey, this is 60% the price of a 4090 gets you most of the way to the performance or it gets you performance in between a 4080 and a 4090. And you can actually put it in a case. Maybe that marketing would have worked, but uh, they were way too cocky at some points in that presentation. But yeah, that's my problem too. If they were just honest about the performance and then said, "Hey, a seven nine fifty XTX is coming," which I it I, it is, guys. Oh yeah, that's coming later. You know, and we have a lot of drivers to improve because this is a chiplet architecture, but it's going to work well when you're using it. For, which, from what I hear, for the most part, the frame times are excellent. There's not this late. There's no latency issues. What you get is what you get. If they would have just said, "Hey, it works well though," but it's going to get a lot better. This is our first foray into chiplets. And then they just made it, you know, what they call the 7900 XT, the 7800 XTX for 800 or 750. It all would have been good, but they didn't. And I think mm-hmm. it's because they didn't know if they'd pull it off. Because <laughs> if they knew for sure they were going to fall short this much, I do think they would have done things differently. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, because... I feel like what you effectively have this generation is the, uh, a 7900 XT that really, if you do look at how everything lines up, it is a 7800 XT. It's about 30% stronger than a 7800, I mean, 6800 XT. It replaces like the 6950 XT and, and laps it a little bit in performance, which is what you would expect from the next gen 800 XT. And so what they, they've really done is they've given us a 7800 XT, tried to pretend it's a 900 class card, and up the price by, what, $250? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's ridiculous, because you just said all they did was take the 6800 XT, make it 30% stronger, and make it cost 30% more. Congrats, guys. There you, you go. Exactly. You completely, you made a completely boring product. It's like AMD just walked out and like looked at all of the mistakes NVIDIA made and said, I think we'd like to make those mistakes too. Yeah. Well, acting like we're smarter than them in the presentation. Yeah, that's not a bad way to put it. (laughs) 
This piece of content is brought to you by Silver Knight PCs. Silver Knight PCs is a disabled, veteran-owned GPU and CPU retailer, PC repair shop, and boutique PC builder that is located in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but they ship globally, so if you're in the area, drop by their location to pick up reasonably priced components to upgrade your PC and know that all of these components come with up to a three-year warranty, and even refurbished products have warranties on them, and you can trade in your own parts for refurbishment as well, or contact them online and ask them about anything else you want them to do for you, including building a custom PC designed just for you. They're very easy to talk to. The owner of the company even sat down with me for a broken silicon last year and had a candid conversation about GPU shortages during the GPU shortages. They really are on the side of the consumer and they really do put a lot of effort into making everything they sell the best it can be for their buyers. And I know this from firsthand experience. I got my RTX 4090 Supreme Liquid, the one that I am using to render this video in my PC here. And before sending it, they upgraded the thermal paste and thermal pads. And well, you can watch the process online. It's actually really cool. And the thing, well, I can tell you that it just doesn't get hot no matter how much power I let the dang thing use. And I can let it use a lot of power. So whether you're in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area and you want to pop in to buy a graphics card or you want to custom order something from them online, click the link in the description and use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 6% off all orders. Using this offer code BROKENSILICON helps me a lot and it helps them. And I am genuinely happy to finally get their sponsorship as they really are a business that I can stand by as high quality and of genuine reliability. Go to Silver Knight PCs and use offer code broken silicon today uh spamtum king of sweden writes in and he says my reasoning for why amd is using the xtx naming is because they don't want their cpus and gpus to be named the same for the 7000 series they don't want an overlap in naming more than they already have look at it this way ryzen 9 7900 12 core is about to launch the ryzen 9 7900x already exists so they can't call it the 7900 or in 7900 XT. I think that's a fair point, but okay, then call it the 7800 XTX. We we already have so many different things that they can call cards. Like, we but don't the eight, need this we know crap. what eight means, right? Yeah. And they didn't call it eight. I also do have a question. If AMD doesn't want their branding to be, I mean, their naming to be identical for this, their graphics and CPUs, why did they give them identical naming schemes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe just, the root of the problem is that you're saying. Yes. I, I, I think I'm, I, I just don't get it. Like, I think they thought that would be cute. And now they realize it's confusing. And it's like, yeah, guys, that was confusing. I don't know why you did that. I don't know. I, you know, they had pretty distinctly different naming schemes too with the 400 series, 500 series. Yep. Um, you know, I think they still have 600 series for their mobile integrated graphics actually right now with this, I think it's 680M is what they call what's in Rembrandt. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then they just jumped up to 5,000 series <laughs> so they could sound like it's a higher series than the two and three and 4,000. And I don't know why, like they could have just kept doing the 100 series or started over at the 1000 series. And then it would have been so far away from the name, but I mean, I mean that's really the way to fix the problem. I agree. Yeah. I mean, if we are going based on the, the number of the card, 
The 7900 XTX, Tom, is almost double the 4090, and no one's talking about that. Oh, yeah. With the, the number of Xs? Yeah, Gamers Nexus had a pretty funny. No, number of Xs and just if you divide 7900 by 4090. It's that's almost true. double. It's almost double. It is almost double, so there you go. Um, Brett Summers writes in, and he says, Hello, Tom. I don't think there's a way around this. The 7900 XTX is a disappointment. Well, its performance overall isn't bad, I guess. It's definitely more trading blows than the 4080. Uh, than trading blows with the 4090. And it isn't even a 40% uplift from the 6950 XT at 1440p or even less at 4K. Well, actually, it's the other way around from what I saw in a lot of stuff, almost like it's... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he says, is there something going on with the design or the drivers? This seems so underwhelming. I was expecting an average of 50% gen over gen. But to put this in perspective, this is really the performance difference of a 1080 Ti versus 1080, which were in the same god dang generation. Is this a growing pain of GPU chiplets? Um, The way I would say it is it's too hard to say for sure. I don't think it's an inherent gl- growing pain. And I did talk to some people at AMD pretty in depth this week over it. And when it comes to like hardware flaws, I was told all silicon has flaws, all mm-hmm. of them. And we work around them in the drivers. Nothing's perfect. And they wouldn't have launched this if they thought there was some 20% permanent flaw. They really do think they could, should be able to improve it at least 10% in drivers. How soon? I don't know. Because if it was going to be able to be improved within a month, I think they would have delayed the launch. I mean, even if to avoid tariffs coming next year, right, th- they would have just shipped everything into the U.S. and then updated the BIOS later, maybe. or well, maybe not, probably, because they probably have a whole factory for mm-hmm. updating that there. But, you know, I think they would have considered delaying things if they knew short-term they could boost performance that much. So I don't know what to say, except that it sounds like they can at least improve it a decent amount in drivers um, and that the flaws aren't permanent. But there are clearly issues here with utilizing the compute units. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's the classic AMD move of make your card 20, 10 to 20% better over time because you can't have get out a... Uh, optimize software immediately for some freaking reason <laughs> yeah and you know uh, the way the scratch math i do for performance increases if the architectures are at least somewhat similar is i do like you know core count increase times clock speed increase on the cores plus bandwidth increase divided by two basically just averaging the bandwidth versus compute mm-hmm. increase if I average the bandwidth increase, which is 1.67, with one, just zero compute increase, I get to uh, one point like three four percent or a one point three four increase. That's almost what it was. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like, and there are games in 1440p where it's like five to ten percent. The 7900 XTX is like five to ten percent better than a 6950 xt but then it becomes like 20 30 percent in 4k in those underperforming games it's like the it's like they put a 384 bit bus on the 6900 xt like it it re and which is such a waste of ram and band but like it seems like the memory controller works but the drivers aren't done for their compute units i don't really think it's a chiplet thing guys i think it's the architecture itself they haven't it's a radical departure lovelace is like just upgraded Ampere with a ton of cash. They had to like program for an entirely new architecture and chiplets. And I think they bit off more than they could chew. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Amiable Chief writes in and says, if the XTX indeed started out as a 4090 competitor, and, and RAS are only for obvious reasons, the naming was spot on then. They unfortunately had all the branding and marketing in place and then realized a driver hardware screw up and had to hastily backtrack and say, and he says this in a goofy way, well, actually, these are 80-class cards. Well, the rest of us went, wait, what? Thinking about this more, it makes me feel it is a hardware bug and cannot be fixed entirely. Either way, very unfortunate, very poorly handled. I think it can probably be at least partially fixed. The only thing I have to say is, I don't know, Dan, I bring this up in the video I put up before this as well. Do you remember the tiled rasterization rumor for Vega? Oh, vaguely? I, I, not really anymore. I mean... So I, I mentioned this. If, if you remember, a big rumor was Vega was going to be a Maxwell moment because it moved to tiled rasterization like Maxwell did over Kepler. And then they found in the drivers, it seemed to not be enabled at launch. And then all these rumors circulated saying, well, they're going to boost performance with the secret sauce oh, driver yeah. update by 20 to 30%. Guys, tiled rasterization isn't even enabled yet. And so, well, and I hate saying this because I know how, guy, I know how much this sounds like copium. I know. But even people at AMD that usually tell me I get too enthusiastic about upcoming releases are like, I think they can boost performance by 20% in drivers. So I'm only communicating what they think they can accomplish. But I just do say this. Don't buy into it like you're buying into like what Intel said with Alchemist. Like it will for sure get that much better because it never did with Vega. You know, I think there's more evidence it will happen this time. I, If you put a gun up to my head and you're like, is this a Vega situation or is this an HD 7000 situation where it actually did end up competing way, way better after a year of updates? I'd say it's probably the 7970, not Vega. But just keep in mind, Vega did burn us pretty hard. Yeah, and I, I, AMD needs to... Something needs to change at AMD where uh, they actually have competent drivers uh, when they come out, uh, when their cards come out. Because this whole fine wine thing, it, 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 it's a great meme uh but like i've seen it, a lot a of meme. comments stand say why are you making me drink five dollar merlot for a year i want the cabernet now yeah i know it's like this whole fine wine argument is just we it's just such a bizarre analogy because we're comparing it like it's this like this high class thing that's going on when in reality it's just well if they would have just put out better drivers when the cards would have first come out this whole fine wine thing would be wouldn't be an argument people have like i think there's a an, an argument to be made that like if things age better like with newer releases of games and stuff that's like kind of a real fine wine argument because like oh it was actually future proofed in some way but i mean if it's just ages like fine wine because they finally put out drivers that utilize the hardware properly i mean it's good and i'm glad that they that you're you got an increase in performance but it's not really a, it's not a selling point. It's just like a, I'm crossing my fingers for when I buy this, that uh, it turns out to be a smart purchasing choice. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's where I go. You know, I don't blame the engineers so much as I don't know for sure. So much as the driver team and the decision makers at the top who made them launch it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's who I blame. They should not have launched it yet. And I've talked to some people who are like, well, everyone would have been madder if it didn't launch on time. And I'm like, 
Not if it would be 30% better than now with working drivers. No, they would not be. I wouldn't be. <laughs> you can't tell me what I would think. I'm telling you that's not what I would have said. Mm. I would have been like, well, my recommendation has been already in A2 anyways, but uh, give me a second here, Dan. Stop being dumb for five seconds. Sorry, um, I don't know. Maybe we'll just let Gerard leave that in. Or at least leave some I, of that in. My dog downstairs was being an idiot with dinner in the oven and trying to get on top of the counter. I also did blow my nose while you were doing that because my nose decided to get real stuffed up before we started recording, I guess. so. All right, but we apologize to whatever's left in. And, you know, I'm sure Gerard will keep in the parts that are funny. Uh, but let me continue here. QH Freddy writes in and says... The clock speeds of Navi 31 were quite underwhelming, and there are some rumors of a new tape out being necessary to fix this whole thing. Why do you think RTG, Radeon Technology Group, is struggling so much with their silicon between RDNA 1 issues and Navi 21 XTXH stepping and now Navi 31? It just feels like they're always fumbling more often than the Zen side. Well, you know, I'll say this. Graphics cards are harder. They're more complex. They're bigger. The drivers take a lot more work. Like you're expected to hold the hand of the people who use the product much more than CPUs who kind of are allowed to program more to the metal because of how much less complex they are. So I will say and, that. Yeah, but, and um, I mean, every generation, on. how many dies are they putting out for, on the uh, Radeon side versus the Zen side of things? Like That's true, too. Like what, they, they got to make a Genoa IO die that's going to be used with Sienna and Bergamo and then a chiplet. And then they have to make sure the Vcash works on top. They made three. That's it. Yeah. Now they have to make like a bunch and they're like way different sizes. And I mean, they had to make an MCD, several GCDs. <laughs> One of them is on six nanometer and they're designing a version of RDNA three for four nanometer with Phoenix. So yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, it's, it is a lot harder. Um, and also I, I will say this as well. I mean, this is their first time doing a chiplet architecture for graphics cards. So I, my arguments isn't like AMD is incompetent. I am not worried about AMD's future at all. I, I, I think that they've managed to launch something that in its current form probably costs about as much to make as a 4080. Well, narrowly, or at least competing, you know, who's to say if it's better, but like competing with the 4080 and it's their first try at chiplets with a radical new architecture. There's no argument here to be made that like they look incompetent. It's just they've handled this incompetently. And they didn't need yeah. to. And I will say, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't think this is a, a sign that uh, AMD is about to crash and burn, but I do think, I, I should say Radeon, not AMD. Uh, Radeon's about to crash and burn. But I will say, like, RDNA 2 kind of looked like it might be a thing where AMD finally might reach uh, parity, really, with uh, NVIDIA again. And then this generation, I kind of think, is a uh, counterpoint to that where, yes, they their cards they put out are... The, one of the cards they put out, I would say, so far is decent um, compared to what NVIDIA has to offer. But eh, NVIDIA is still kind of lapping them in a lot of ways, you know? Uh, so we'll see what RDNA 4 holds, but... <laughs> uh, I, I'm less confident that they'll be able to catch NVIDIA at at least from a features perspective uh, with RDNA four based on this showing. Yeah. And you know, I saw someone, I don't remember where, if it was in the discord, if it was in the YouTube comments on Reddit, someone said it just becomes so exhausting to be a Radeon fan 
because you never know what to expect. And it's just a nightmare, I'm sure, for their marketing department and to try to have any mindshare whatsoever. Like if you look at Ryzen, Zen 1 came out to mixed but generally good reviews. And it won at some things that it never lost again in multi-threading, basically. And then Zen Plus came out, almost caught up to Intel, will be in way cheaper. Zen 2 came out, one across the board, multi-threading, efficiency, basically tied gaming. Zen 3 comes out, crushes everything, including gaming. Zen 3X 3D comes out, wins gaming again. Zen 4 comes out, at least is still tying gaming and multi-threading. Like, they're not going backwards. They're not going from sometimes competing at the top to sometimes competing in the mid-range. And if you look at AMD, it's just every gen you got no clue what the, what, how it's going to turn out. And I think that's a fair point. And AMD needs to start just trying to, like, God dang it, like, do what you can do and execute consistently mm-hmm. with Radeon or you're never going to get mindshare. Because I think me and you agreed, RDNA 1 looked great, kind of like Zen 1. RDNA 2 was like a Zen Plus situation where they practically tied the crown, but you might argue they didn't, but they won efficiency. And now I think they start over. Now I think they need Mm -hmm. three more gens again. Yep. (laughs) God dang it. It's going to take three gens, perfect execution before people regard them the way that I think they could be regarded. They got their act together. Yeah. I I mean, and if RDNA 4 is another RDNA 2 when it comes to performance versus NVIDIA, all right, then then maybe they're back in the running, but eh, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> All right, let me put down a timestamp for this question here. Hal B writes in, Hi, Tom. Has there been any info about how long AMD plans to sell their reference models for RDNA 3? They announced after RDNA 2's launch that they were going to change their plans and keep making them through the pandemic as a way to help people have a chance at getting cards at MSRP. They don't seem to be in a hurry to stop selling now that the shortage has stopped. Has their strategy changed with NVIDIA keeping their FE in production and sold through Best Buy? Or do you think they'll go back to only making the reference model a limited run again? Well, I think they had to do mostly reference right now because the AIVs just didn't have time to test anything. This launch was completely rushed. But I think moving forward, you're going to see probably something similar to last gen. You know, I think AMD is always going to make reference cards. Um, but I, I would actually think this time they'll make less than before, but they'll always sometimes be available because I kind of hear they just want AIVs to take over next year and push mm. clock speeds. So I think there will be more AIB than before. Uh, and they have a lot of reference at launch to try to keep, <laughs> I, I mean, again, it depends how you look at it, keep costs down at launch, you know, and AIBs <laughs> aren't ready. So yeah, I don't know. I, that's what I'd say. Um, happy pill writes in. Hi, Tom and Dan. In Broken Silicon 183, you said that you think the 7800 XT would be about as fast as a 3080 or 3090 if it used Navi 32. My question is this. How on earth can AMD market a 7800 XT or XTX, whatever it is, for the as the top Navi 32 card when it's basically competing with the previous gen? I mean, the 6800 XT already arguably matches the 3080. Heck, I was able to overclock my 6800 non-XT to match a stock 3080 on average. How can AMD justify any product segment that is barely an improvement over the last gen product of the same tier. There's something I'm missing. I almost feel like if they launched a 6500 XT that traded blows with the 5500 XT. I don't know, guys. We've seen, and then the 960 actually lost to the 760, if you remember with Maxwell versus Kepler a little bit. So this has, it's not that this hasn't happened before. Having said that, I, I think it's going to beat the 6800 XT by 5 to 15%. Is that enough to warrant it? 
I don't know. If they make it 600 bucks, I'll say, don't complain. If they make it $800, I'll say, don't buy this either. Yeah. You know, I think it's a bad sign if that's happening this high up the product stack, because like, I don't know, once you're at like the lower tier dies, like the the 60 or 50 uh, from NVIDIA go to are like the 600 and uh, 500 from AMD go to. You're you're talking about like this is what we could get out at a certain point, and if that's what the 800 die from Nvidia AMD is going to now, or Navi uh, 32 is that at this point, that's not a good sign for the future of the market. I don't think. That being said, there's room for something below uh, 7900 XT that's still about as strong as a 6900 uh, XT. So if it's as strong as a 6900 XT, I don't think that's a terrible scenario if they sell that for like $650 or something. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a huge increase, but, you know, I mean... It's something. I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> something, Although, though, again... I think that should be $600 if, at most. If it really but. is just that. Yeah, well, you know, let's put it... Let me say this, too. Um, I think something to consider, and Jim brought this up, on Adored TV, uh, when Adored, a uh, Jim from Adored TV was just on in the last podcast episode, he mentioned that if you look back at the 7000, the HD 7000 series, and I wonder if you'll remember this, Dan. I had a 7970, you had a 7950, and I remember the 78, the 7870 being like within 10% of the 7950 until they fixed the drivers. Yeah, I, I remember I was looking at getting either for a while and I almost got a 7870 because I was like, it's basically a it's basically a two gigabyte seven eight, I mean seven nine fifty. Why wouldn't I get it? Uh, but and, and the seven nine fifty had a fifty percent bigger bus and a yeah. over fifty percent bigger die size. It was almost like they had to fix the drivers for the top die with the seven thousand series. And then they did in the seven nine fifty pulled ahead to be a solid 15, 20% stronger. So I guess what I'm saying is this, the 7,900 XT right now is just a 3,980 Ti in performance. It would not surprise me because we've already seen tech power up push these cards past three gigahertz on multiple AIB models. If Navi 32 runs at three gigahertz, is at 250 watts, is just clocked fast with more of a easily stretching you know stretching your legs into the tdp than the more power constrained relatively speaking 7900 xt it might just end up like 10 percent weaker in like you know it's like Mm -hmm. and then and then you know they make it 700 bucks or something and it's like yeah i mean you know it ends up being 15 percent better than a 6800 xt for like eight percent more money while being you know using less energy but could happen like Mm -hmm. and i just would hope they make it 600 bucks i would hope they drop the price on the 7900 xt to 800 and then launch this for 600 because i think it's five nanometer dies 200 millimeter squared plus four mcds so we're talking about something that has a silicon cost a little bit more than navi 22 there's no reason for this to be more than 600 and if they give you Mm -hmm. something 15 percent better that uses 10 percent less energy for 10 percent less money than last gen it's an improvement Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, I, once again, I'm not going to say it's some great improvement, but okay, AMD, you put out something that's not terrible. <laughs> and I will say they better make it that, or I would agree. Yeah. If it's just 6,800 XT performance for more than a 6,800 XT, 
I won't say good things about it. <laughs> yeah. um, Beefish36 writes in and he says, Hi, Tom and Dan. Count me among those disappointed with the 7900 series. I really was expecting more performance, and I've lost confidence in AMD's truthfulness and value propositions moving forward. It appears this gen on both sides will be last-gen performance with last-gen pricing, just new names on the box. Rumored 4070, it's rumored that the 4070 performs like a 3080 and will cost $700, the same price as a 3080. It's rumored right now by other people, Tom, that the 4060 will perform like a 3060 Ti or 3070 for $400 to $500. And now it kind of seems like a 7800 XT may bring 6900 XT performance for $700, which is actually the current 6900 XT pricing. Navi 33, what, is it going to bring 6800 1080p performance for the current price you can get a 6800 for? Do you think consumers will actually go for this? And are AMD and NVIDIA going to actually have to give better value to move products in the mid to low end? I think so. I think the 7900 XT sold better than the 4080 the first couple of days it was out. Now it's kind of falling apart in sales, at least relative to how many they shipped. And... I think the 4080 will sell a little better now for the people who are waiting and decided to just get a 4080 after seeing RDNA 3 reviews. But I do think early next year, the way I'd put it is I just feel like NVIDIA and AMD are crossing their fingers right now, hoping everyone just gives up and buys their cards. And it, I, I just don't think people are going to at these prices. And they're going to wait. They're going to see what happens. They're going to see what happens with the 4070 Ti sales. And then I suspect in... Uh, the end of quarter one, there's going to be a price war. I, they're going to have to drop prices on all these products if they try to pull this off because I just could be wrong. I've been wrong before about this, but I just don't think people are going to buy it. Yeah, and you know, we'll see. I, I, I will say, I'll, I'll, I'll give a, a slightly more optimistic read, I guess, of this too. I don't, I don't think this is like a rainbows and unicorns view of things, but like, I think it can also be viewed that hopefully this is just and admission that prices last generation were kind of bullshit because while talking about this, we are also talking about MSRP of everything. And let's be honest, the 3060 Ti, none of these cards ever sold for it. The, the 6900 XT up until now, or like in the past couple months, never really sold for MSRP. None of these things sold for MSRP. I mean, if we want to reject these cards at these prices it, it, because they're essentially giving us the same price performance if you're going by msrp i think that's fine and we kind of should because it's like well you guys kind of lied to us for two years <laughs> but um i i i i think we have to you look think at that's it. what they're doing though they're trying to price things how they basically sold last like the 6800 xc typically showed just below a thousand dollars and that's yeah, what they're trying it, to get away with except for everything but the flagship which they're okay with you paying msrp for because it's already so much yeah, it's just I think we need to look at it honestly. Like none of these cards were really the price that they they told us they were, and I think to an extent this is just them at least with pricing being a little bit more honest this generation. And I I think we should still reject it because they're mm -hmm. basically trying to move everything up a tier in pricing from where it should be again. Um, but you know I think that's a less pessimistic view kind of and. I do also think to some extent it signals the struggle that they, they're probably starting to have uh, with marketing cards as 
I think we're less and less needing more performance uh, mm-hmm. year over year or, or gen over gen because <laughs> I, I laugh I, at like me caring about anything now that I have a 4090. Like, what like are you, you going to give me? <laughs> and you were fine with like a 3050. I mean, you, now that you I did a- for a month, I gamed on a 3050 and I definitely wouldn't choose to do that long term, but I managed to play games and I wouldn't say I was depressed that month. Yeah, and, and like, yes, yeah, so of course, the 4090 is way stronger than it, but the 3050 is still basically a competent 1440p card from uh, everything from your experience with Most it. Most games with this 3050 I'm holding, I played at 1440p at high refresh rates. It'd be a mix of medium high with DLSS on, and it worked. Battle yeah, I, I, we're obviously not 1440p 100. Ta- we're obviously not talking about just setting it to 1440p and not adjusting any settings, uh, but. If you're willing to actually fuck with the settings a little bit, and, and if you have a 3050, I'm sorry, you should be able to be willing to do that. Uh, you can get it to game at 1440p, which that's the thing. It's just we really don't need cards that are that much stronger than we have right now. Uh, I mean, it, hell, look at like God of War, uh, Ragnarok. That's one of the better looking games I've seen, and that's running on a basically a 2060. Like. <laughs> Well, no, it's running on like a 6700, not a 2060. Yeah, you, yeah. 2060, that's no damn. That's way way out of the realm of, you know, performance that it's at. But it, I I think a lot of the graphics per, comes down to like art style at this point too. And you know, we need you can push more pixels and that's going to make those art styles look better. But at the end of the day, people are kind of going to stop at 4K for a lot of them forever. And I think half of people will want more. I'm one of them if it's at all reasonably priced, but I'm not pressured to get it anymore. I think half of people couldn't care less because not everyone has the same eyesight, you know? Yeah. And then I think people are probably going to stop somewhere between 120 and 240 hertz. A lot of people are probably going to stop, say, listen, 60 hertz is fine. But like, so I think we're we're going to be somewhere between 4K and 8K 120 to 240 hertz for like 99% of people and no one will ever want to go above that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, on that note, Dino999 writes in and says, Hello, Tom and Dan Daddy. You've discussed with Jim previously, and you both seem to agree with him, that the mid-range has essentially received a permanent price bump along with many other tiers near it. In the last few years, we saw great growth with the community of PC gaming, but co- companies have ruined any chance of further growth, in my opinion. Thankfully, because of the cheap supply recently, I've been able to tell many friends and family to build now. But going forward, with consoles in stock and deals drying up with rising GPU prices, from my position, I have to just tell people, get a PS5 and play God of War at 1440p in high refresh rate mode, which is the mode I game in. It looks fantastic. He goes... Connect a mouse and keyboard and play COD at 120 hertz. The PS5 supports a keyboard and mouse and 120 hertz. What are your opinions on the longevity of PC gaming? I mean, my answer, the market will correct to what it needs to, and it will correct if people don't buy these things. You know, that that's my answer. Yeah, and uh, I think I, I got lost a little bit on my point because... It's late, but uh, so sorry yeah. about that. But um, yeah, I, I at the what I was trying to get at was uh, they're trying to. St- I I think we're getting to a point where 
graphics cards don't need to get that much stronger than they are right now and we don't need and they're not getting that much stronger because of struggles with silicon um and now they're trying to figure out how to tell you you need a new graphics card and you really might just not and frankly like he said ps5 xbox series x gives you pretty good performance yes it's not technically as good as a 4090 but you can play games at 1440p 120 pretty easily on them Mm -hmm. well that's all i have for the main story of this episode we've talked about it for a very long time um but uh let's uh you know like i said this is half a news episode let's hammer through a couple of other news stories it's actually a couple here that uh I think we'll be pretty excited to talk about. So we get to story number two, I nine 13, KS release date and two retailer pricing leaked by Moore's laws. Deb, let's be quick about this. I just leaked that Intel is launching the I nine 13, KS on January 12th pricing to retailers. At least can't promise you what they'll try to say. The MSRP is pricing to retailers. I've seen the sheets is 20% higher than the I nine K. And well, besides that, after seeing the sheet of what the retailers were having to pay to stock i9 13900KS is, I also saw the i9K on there. See, so a lot of retailers are selling half of Raptor Lake at cost, everybody. And it seems like the non-K Raptor Lakes will launch on January 3rd and will also be sold close to cost. So I would suggest, guys, if the i9 13900K... Uh, when it was initially launching was selling, I don't know, right between 600 to 650. I think there's no way around it. The retailer is willing to sell it at cost. Like micro center may sell the chaos for like 650, 700. There's going to be some people that sell this thing for 800 bucks. And, uh, yeah, that's about all I have to say. Comes out January 12th. It will be priced higher than the I nine non S K. If that makes sense. And the non K Raptor lakes launch on January 3rd. Oh, and I have a hunch they're going to push this thing insanely hard. Like, there's rumors emerging about decently higher multi-threading performance compared to the i9-13900K. I think Intel is going to push the i9-13900KS. I think they're going to try to launch before Zen 4X3D. They're going to push this thing to, like, 400 watts so that they can try to argue they trade blows in gaming and try to keep the multi-threading crown compared to Raphael X or Zen 4X3D. Although... Some things I can't disclose that I've heard about what AMD is doing to boost Raphael X performance in all scenarios. I, I, I don't think it's going to work. But what do you think, Dan? The K is coming at six gigahertz. Chaos. Well, um, it's a it's definitely a weird CPU. If you ask me. I mean, the K, the thirty nine hundred K already. I would say used too much power and to the point where it's all borderline unusable according from to reviews and this seems to be doubling down on that so i'm not quite sure what you're going to be getting out of this over the k because i'd be concerned about this thing just fucking throttling in five minutes anyways and Mm -hmm. then they're going to be trying to sell it to you for what 700 bucks probably i know you said probably around there i I know you say say they're gonna retailers might sell it at cost but at cost would be if if the 20 percent uh estimate is accurate that's 700 dollars. i think at cost would be i mean i think i literally can just tell you at at cost would be (laughs) no but i think i have the sheet somewhere around here i'm just not going to pull it up but you know at cost was in the 600s 
you know, so, but that's before you take into account, like having to support warranties, returns, shipping, you know? Yeah. All all I'm doing is multiplying their suggested, uh, whatever. I I can't Mm -hmm. remember what Intel's Intel arcs metric is not, not MSRP is 20% higher than their lower estimate at $589. It'd be $707. So I think you're going to see it for at least 700 most of the time. Yeah. So a car, a a CPU that's a hundred dollars more than the K uses more power. And I'm excited to see reviews for how much energy that uses. And if it's even able to deliver on those higher clock speeds consistently, but that's really all there is to say, right? Um, I don't know what else really to add, except that it does seem like this rumored Raptor Lake refresh late next year as well is a different thing. And that the i9-13900KS is just, I don't know, its own thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if the availability on it is really low. I think they are really mm-hmm. speed bending these things to try to hit 6 gigahertz with single core and have all core hit as close to 6 gigahertz as possible. Um because they know maybe they can win multi-threading against Zen 4 X3D, right? But mm-hmm. that's it. And, and it's going to pull like 400 watts. I, I'm not going to recommend it. Uh, all of this is overkill for gaming, too. But um, yeah, I say, I say let us move on to story number three, though. Moore's Law is Dead confirms Phoenix Specs and Dragon Range X. So, first of all, I leaked Friday night that Dragon Range X the Vcache 16-core Zen 4 variant for laptops that was previously suggested and discussed in a leak is certainly coming. And it is planned to firmly take the laptop gaming crown. Outside of that, I've actually been sworn to a bit of secrecy about some of the tricks AMD is going to pull to keep Mm. some of their performance consistent against their Vcache variants, whether it's Dragon Range X or the desktop variant Raphael X. Yeah, I can't say more. I think this is going to be something special. Additionally, I can confirm, just throwing this in there because it's somewhat on the same subject, that Little Phoenix is a cost-optimized design that apparently sees the use of two full Zen 4 cores and four Zen 4C cores and only two RDNA 3 workgroups. This differs from the Little Phoenix leak I had before. In the Little Phoenix leak, I said it was four full Zen 4 cores. At the same time, that would be the same amount of L3 cache, so that's probably where the confusion came from although it does have less work groups than i expected and uh yeah big phoenix is what i leaked it is just reconfirming six work groups <laughs> eight zen four course four nanometer everything i leaked about phoenix is correct uh no it is not a 3060 killer <laughs> damn <laughs> but little phoenix's specs are a little different than what i leaked so although i get to be the one who claims they said well, first still yeah oh, wait what was oh whatever i, I mean I don't know. I'm excited to see uh, competition at like the high end for laptops because, oh, I don't know. Nothing is probably going to bring, bring prices down on anything for laptops, but competition mm-hmm. is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here because with Vcash, although I think they're going to try to find a way to keep pushing clocks high, at least in mo- in some scenarios. That's all I can say, really. Mm-hmm. Um. With the desktop Zen 4 Vcache, at a minimum, what we know is adding Vcache is just kind of like a, a free 10 to 30% performance boost to games, depending on the game. And you don't have to raise voltages. If anything, you might lower voltages. I mean, barring so, a 
decrease in clock speed, which that was mostly a Zen 3 specific problem, though, correct? Mostly. I think there's scenarios where they have to lower them again, but I don't think it's as much okay. or in as many scenarios. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but the, the, the point is the way Intel's trying to raise performance with Rafter Lake to keep pace is 400 watt chips or something. <laughs> the way yeah. AMD is keeping track is just better technology that on laptop is going to humiliate Intel. And I keep telling people 2023 is the year to buy a new laptop. I stand by, guys. Are you kidding me? Dragon Range X? This is going to be better than like desktop Raptor Lake at gaming, probably in a 65 watt form factor. And you throw in, we've seen how efficient Lovelace is when you cap its power consumption. It doesn't lose much. I think you're going to get 40, 80, or 30, 90 Ti performance with better than 5950 XT or 5950X <laughs> CPU performance in like, 14-inch laptops. Yeah, I, I, I know. I mean... I'm going to get a new laptop, probably. Mine's about three years old, and I'd like something that keeps pace with my desktop and at least mostly being able to do the same editing and gaming. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things are going when this comes out. Like, Mine will be around three years old by the time this comes out, too. Uh, so maybe I, I would look into getting a new one. We'll, we'll see. But, but I'm excited for CES. Yes. <laughs> you guys think the news is slowing down. It is not. All right. Unless you only care about desktop, then it will be a little bit. Yeah, hey. a little. But I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about with the 4070 Ti. Um, but I, yeah. I, I we were going to talk about that here, but I actually just removed it because I'm like, we'll talk about it in the next Broken Silicon. I don't care. I'm tired <laughs> of talking about it. Um, all right. Let us move on to the final story of this half news episode then. Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard gets blocked by the FTC. Quoting from The Guardian, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission has moved to block Microsoft's takeover of video game company Activision Blizzard, citing concerns that the deal would thwart competition by denying rivals access to popular gaming content. Microsoft, which owns the Xbox video game console system, said in January of this year that it would buy Activision for $68.7 billion, which it's funny, I uh, heard Chris Reagan on Sacred Symbols point out, people keep saying $70 billion. We're just rounding up the entire valuation of several companies on this deal. Anyways, continuing. <laughs> which would make it the biggest gaming industry deal in history. Activision is the maker of the popular games like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. Activision Blizzard makes Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. And uh, yeah, let, I mean, a screenshot from Call of Duty World War II. Analysts doubt Sony has the finances to make an acquisition the size of a almost $70 billion deal like Microsoft can with Activision Blizzard. And so Microsoft's, let me just let me skip ahead here. I think I misquoted something there. <laughs> The FTC voted three to one last Thursday to issue its complaint after a closed door meeting with the three Democratic commissioners voting in favor and the sole Republican voting against the U.S. agency, which enforces consumer protection and antitrust laws, said the merger could suppress competitors to its Xbox Game Council and growing subscription businesses. So sorry, I botched meeting the reading the middle of that, guys. Um, but yeah, I don't did I, I I don't know if you had a chance to look around like what's the situation? Do you think this deal's done? Is there anything in this botched reading that I missed that you think is needed for context? Um, I, I think it's important to remember the deal isn't dead yet. Uh, it's just going to go to the courts. And I don't know how hellbent Microsoft is on buying Activision. I'm assuming 
70 billion dollars suggests they're pretty hell-bent on buying it but um we'll see what happens i i I think it's really hard to say if this deal is dead or not i mean somebody that has a better understanding of this type of stuff would be better or like how like what percent chance does it mean that now that the ftc has actually filed a complaint how likely is it that it will actually be uh blocked or that the courts will agree with them because i think that's really at the end of the day what matters ftc the ftc said yeah we don't want this deal to happen does the u.s do courts in the u.s agree with them um well fortuitously i just had hogan yes i know (laughs) and uh he said that he thinks it needs to be made very clear that this deal is not done like Mm. or is not completely killed that it microsoft looks like they want to fight it they can fight it and they might win they just need to now argue it to the FTC. And I think what I said, and I, I believe he agreed, uh, was that what you got to watch out for, though, is if the EU blocks it and then the UK blocks it and then like Brazil blocks it. Because if that happens, that means Microsoft's going to have to be fighting in court after court battle for the next yeah, 10 years. Yeah. So if but that eno- hasn't happened it, yet, if enough regulatory agencies try to block it, I, I wouldn't be sub- I, I would guess Microsoft might just withdraw their bid. I, I I don't know how much that would cost in legal fees, I guess, but um, probably not as not really even a fraction of that seventy billion dollar deal. But um, it's a huge deal. It's going to take Microsoft a long time to, I think, actually, uh, for this deal to make sense from a profit perspective, based on how much they spent. And I would think they want to get it done as quickly as possible and not, you know, hold up until the year twenty thirty. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess what I would say to kind of put a bow on this conversation is I think there's two things people need to watch next year when it comes to if this deal will fully be scuttled. Uh, the first thing is, is does it seem like it's being indicated this will be a somewhat reasonably quick, like process to fight this? Like if it seems to Microsoft that it will take them a year and everyone else won't fight it, that's worth it. You know, this isn't like NVIDIA arm with NVIDIA arm, both there was a better argument to be made that they would be anti-competitive and it was a technology deal like getting they want the <laughs> the they want the ip they want the full back into the architectures they, they want all of that so they can get working waiting five years to complete a deal all of the tech you are going to get that would give you an advantage by buying arm doesn't matter anymore that's that's a lifetime that's mm-hmm. not as true with a game developer deal i'd say it's more true than like an oil baron buying up rights to a country i'd fight that for 20 years if i was an oil baron but it is it's less pressing than like a chip company more pressing than an old-timey resources deal so that's what i would say is i think they have the time to fight it unlike nvidia arm but i don't think they have five years Mm mm-hmm if that makes sense. So I I would watch really heavily for that. I think I said there were two things. So I'd watch for that. Um, and and then, you know, the other thing I think you need to watch for is what happens to Microsoft stock price if this recession gets worse. Because I've seen in the news reported a lot of deals on big acquisitions have fallen through. Publicly, they'll say it's a reason like, oh, this and the books didn't work out. But privately, there's a lot of suggestions that these deals are falling through right now because the stock market's going down. And the money they agreed to pay per, you know, per share to buy them, 
is now way overvalued compared to where the stock market is. So if Microsoft, Activision, Blizzard's valuations go to a third of where they were, Microsoft has less money to buy it. And Microsoft may say, we're paying three times what we should be in the current market. We're going to find a way to get out of this deal for that reason alone. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the two things you guys got to think about. Um, This holiday season, I was conscripted by my girlfriend's family to build her sister her first gaming PC. And I'm pretty excited about how it is turning out with an i5-12600K, RX 6700 10GB, and of course... Windows 11 Professional that was bought from cdkeyoffer.com for a reasonable price. This piece of content is brought to you by cdkeyoffer.com and their Christmas sales event. cdkeyoffer.com is a long-term sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead for a reason. They've been good to me, my friends, my family, and of course the entire Moore's Law is Dead community for years. And honestly, they're just easy to work with and they keep reliably providing me and everyone I know with a product that I honestly think PC gaming needs Fair pricing on Microsoft software and other products. And that includes Microsoft Office Professional 2021 that I'm excited to surprise my girlfriend's sister with the knowledge that her PC will come pre-installed with Microsoft Office 2021 Professional. And it's because it wasn't that expensive to get from cdkeyoffer.com. If you need reasonable pricing on Microsoft software this holiday season, and I would assume anyone building a PC this Christmas does, then make sure you use offer code Broken Silicon for 25% off software, Moore's Law for 10% off physical products that they sell from their website now, and Die Shrink for 3% off everything else. Using these offer codes really does help Moore's Law is dead a lot, and it helps you save money. Go to cdkeyoffer.com today. All right, let us move on now to the wrap-up. It'll be a very brief one. Um, it's like a third as long as usual. So the, the layoffs at Intel have officially began. I have several sources at Intel that say they have colleagues who have been fired. And now they're seeing hundreds of people leaving like a week. So it's happening. No, they're not going to fire 20,000 people overnight. But we're seeing the layoffs begin. And it's there's been people who have told me I've, I've been fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some people that have told me I know someone who's been fired. So I thought that was worth mentioning. It's a little scary. Uh, yeah. I feel bad for them. Um, also, we have 4060 Ti specs supposedly leaking from Copot. I just want to throw that out there. And yeah, it kind of looks like they're just finding a way to relaunch a 3070. <laughs> and uh, then we have Carmack resigning from Meta, which does not surprise me at all. I mean, I heard some inside baseball things from some of my contacts at Meta that Car- that uh, Carmack was disagreeing with Meta more and more as time went on. And he does not like how they handled the... Uh, he he uh, started the, Oculus, the Oc- right? Yeah. He doesn't like how they're, they're handling the Quest 2, the Quest Pro. He doesn't like mm. what they're doing with it. Like, he thinks it's stupid what they're trying to focus on. You know, I, I, I don't know a, a ton about John Carmack, but uh, based on what I know about him, it doesn't really surprise me that he would clash with Meta. He seems to be a, I don't know, somewhat purist type person. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think he would inevitably clash with a company like uh, Meta. <laughs> yeah, because I think he was already working on Oculus before Facebook bought them. 
Yes, so, I believe so. That's worth mentioning. Having said that, he was working peacefully with them for a few years, but yeah, not recently. I heard a lot of stories about like, I actually think I have an email somewhere from him that was shared with me where he was just like openly, you know, openly showing it the whatever the phrase is like laundry of the company, a, like company wide email where he's like voicing disagreement. So, this is yeah, it's unsurprising. I think this was actually, I think I was basically told he's probably going to leave within a year, anyways. But, uh, yeah, know. he, uh, uh, it looks like on his Facebook, <laughs> it's interesting. He chose to post this to Facebook. He, he posted a long, uh, po- had a long post about like, uh, his feelings about it because, uh, I guess internal stuff from him got leaked and he wanted to put, yeah. Ev- he wanted to put. I mean, I have that there. email, so I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah, <laughs> he, he wanted to put everything out there to so there is context behind everything he said. So mm. if you're interested, you can go read that. All right. Well, that is like we said. It's like half a news episode, and we are done with that portion. Uh, I now want to move on to just you know maybe talking about half of the launches in the beginning of 2022 before we will transition the following week to talking about the rest of the launches in 2022 with, you know, David from David does tech stuff and what we think about it. But let's open this up with a reader mail. Aiden FS writes in and says, quick impressions of this year. My favorite launch, I guess was the 5,800 X3D it turns out, but really only after it got cheaper. And on that note, does RDNA 2 becoming cheap also count as my favorite thing from this year? My least favorite launch of 2022. Well, that was the 3068 gigabyte. I don't think much needs to be said about that thing. And the thing that I'm most excited for next year is going to be Fishhawk Falls and Navi 33 because I'm just curious how both of them will perform. I don't really care about anything else. Low and Lovelace is going to be overpriced and not have enough VRAM. Classic NVIDIA is what I'm expecting in that department. So, yeah, I don't know, Dan. I, you know, we're going to kind of go through this a little quickly, but. What 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 was your favorite launch from this year? Ah, favorite launch from this year. Ah. You know, 5800X3D 5, was pretty cool. I uh, was planning on getting one for a while and it just turned out at the time when I got it the 5900X was better. Um and then I you know, I don't really know. I guess after that the 4090? I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's the funny thing is it's like, I mean, I have one. 4090? If if not that, I would say graphics cards getting cheap is kind of my story, if I'm yeah. allowed to say that, right? Because it's like, like the 4090 is almost impossible to not have some mixed feelings about because I think on one end it speaks to how cool the tech can be. But then on the other hand, it also speaks to the insanity of the uh gpu market that there's a that a card that's sixteen hundred dollars is somehow one of the best options you can get (laughs) yeah well let's remember the titan rtx was uh twenty five hundred yeah i know but it could be worse and i guess that's why i remain pleasantly surprised that the 4090 came in at that price and hit the performance we expected yeah i know it's just a little funny that we're like celebrating if you would have it's told us six 90. months ago this was going to be our favorite thing i know it's like yeah it's not i don't think we would, <laughs> i don't think this would have been the thing we would have said oh man 
I mean, all right, so let me start going through some of the early things that I won't cover as much with David. Rembrandt, final thoughts. I mean, I have my own thoughts on it briefly, but let's talk about it a little here. Um, I, I mean, it was a... I, I don't have too much to say about Rembrandt. I, it was a good uh, uplift over, like, Cezanne, but I don't think it was... I don't think it was like some revolutionary thing. It's just like, here's our replacement for Cezanne. It's clearly better than Cezanne. Get this now instead. And then I thought their unveiling, if I'm remembering correctly, Rembrandt is was they were trying to advertise. We finally brought good low end gaming to an AP or like 1080p low end gaming to an yeah, APU, and then proceeded to put it pair, not pair it in anything that utilized its graphics. Which bothers the shit out of me if you're going yeah. to advertise this thing as a gaming APU or you're going to advertise the graphics of this APU for gaming. How about we try to make some small graphic uh, APU so laptops there are for gaming? Some I'm sure there's some gaming devices coming out now with the 6800U, which has the full 12 compute units and at 15 watts. So that is coming out That's cool. at the a year late. <laughs> but It's just like what... It would be not cool to see like a 12 inch laptop or something with like a, a six, like you say, like a 6800U that it's just like, listen, this thing is small. It's not great at gaming, but it's not very expensive and you can game at like 900p to 1080p. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's what happens. We brought it up with Little Phoenix, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. we'll save some of this discussion for the final episode looking forward, but Two big core, they're really full cores. It's just different degrees of big. Uh, two Zen four cores, four Zen four C. All of them have hyper threading enabled. Come on, AMD man, take that. Let it use like ten watts and pair it with a thirty-five watt graphics card, and give me like a razor thin fourteen-inch ten eighty p gaming laptop for seven hundred bucks. That would be so easy to recommend to people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, and with Rembrandt, I think the efficiency is what I remember saying, guys, it's not the graphics card you should be looking at here. They're they're saying if you give it FSR, it's almost a 1650 Max-Q. Okay, so it's a 1050 Ti. That's not crazy, really. But the efficiency, 24 hours of battery life in some scenarios or something like that, like it can, the idle power was insane. Uh, that was for me a, a big takeaway. I don't, I don't know. Do we have anything to say about Alder Lake Mobile? Uh, not really. I, I, I don't have anything to say. I feel like every year Intel like way out. better than Rocket Lake, Coffee Lake, but Tiger Lake was kind of more impressive, to, more exciting at the time. Yeah, and I feel like every time, every year, Intel puts out its laptop CPU lines, and I generally don't have much negative to say about any of them. They, they, except just con- for Comet Lake back then. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty bad against Saison. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like barring that generation aside, Intel CPUs are generally, or mobile CPUs are always pretty good. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's just there's a consistency to them that I, I don't know. There's almost not much to say about them. It's just yeah, Intel I mean, always th- makes good CPUs. Uh, I mean, yeah, lo- mobile CPUs. The <laughs> thing I liked the most about Alder Lake Mobile was like my laptop right now I, I like it i loved it for the price i got it for it had a 4k oled touch screen you know an optane drive that's gone 
Um, and it, uh, it managed for the price to have a six core that can boost to five gigahertz. But you know, when I'm gaming, that thing really does throttle down to three gigahertz eventually on six cores, 12 threads. And, you know, but if I wanted a reasonably priced laptop, half the time you, your only option is Intel. And mm-hmm. at, the thing I like most about Alder Lake Mobile is at least the uh, alternative to Rembrandt didn't suck. <laughs> it wasn't as good necessarily, depending on the TDP, but at high TDPs, it was as good. And at least it didn't suck. Now we had a decent option in all laptops. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on to the next set of stories here. So I don't know if you remember the, all the hullabaloo about the 3080-12 gigabyte. You know, that launched, it didn't even have an MSRP. And then they just tried to argue it was okay. And uh, I don't know. I, I remember Hardware and Box gave it a hard time. I feel like more people should have. I believe I leaked its uh, pricing lack of MSRP and stuff about it first. And there was like a few months where they just stopped making the 10 gigabyte model, only made yeah. the 12 gigabyte so that they could more legally or more understandably sell it above a grand. And that was just such crap. I, I mean, I, to some extent, I kind of like... I kind of specifically hate like the 3080 series of cards because... I, I think that's like the most apocalyptic things almost got with Ampere where it was just like, oh, so NVIDIA might just give up on MSRPs and just say, well, we'll, we'll sell them for whatever we want. And thankfully that didn't end up happening with uh, Lovelace. But like there's a, a period of like the 3080-12 gigabyte where it's like, ooh, things might get really bad with NVIDIA uh, next generation. And they're only kind told- of bad now. They seriously considered not putting an MSRP on the 3090 Ti as well. No, I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but they just barely were back down from the brink, which um, that was one of the stories. Let me bring that up. What do you think about the uh, 3090 Ti? What is your remember how they were supposed to launch that in January? They didn't launch it in January. Didn't tell us they weren't going to until February. And then it didn't come out until almost April. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it seemed like it might be more disastrous than it was if i'm remembering correctly a couple of the early like evga models had some issues or something like that but overall they had to like redesign the card because of a bunch of issues and it got the pcie gen 5 connector before anything else which weren't melting by the way back then (laughs) but other than that i don't know if there's much to say about the 3090 ti it's a late gen upgrade for people that need to have the newest thing constantly and i i you know it came out like eight eight seven eight months before the 4090 foot and was made to look pretty stupid pretty quickly after it came out by the 4090 but i see all this talk of like people getting burned that got a 3090 ti and it's like i hope people that are buying a 3090 ti weren't expecting, expecting this, this. not to be i mean yeah that thing dropped in price like a rock a month after like a week after launch that was hilarious yeah it's just of course it was going to and of course the third the lovelace was coming out within a few months so like if you this was something to buy if your money is burning if your money is burning a hole in your i mean if you need to burn a hole in your wallet like there's nothing about the 3090 ti that like screams i needed to buy this Unless you just had two freaking extra grand uh, that mm-hmm. you you absolutely have to spend this month, that month that came out. 
Well, I think I'm going to skip over the 3050. I don't have much to say about that. It was never MSRP. It's still not MSRP. Gamers Nexus said they couldn't make a card like that below 300. They still haven't. I have nothing else to say. Yeah. I mean, I got it the one week it was 300 bucks when everything else was still more expensive just because Amazon could deliver it to me same day and it would use the same NVIDIA software I was already used to. So that's why I got it. But I can't, I can honestly say that's one of the least recommended cards. What's worse, GTX 550 Ti or the 3050? Probably, I would say the 550 Ti, but that I might think just I be agree. Ca- I hated that card so that much. That might just because at least people weren't recommending the 3050 left and right. <laughs> For those who don't know, the 550 Ti was a 192-bit card that actually, I believe, had one or two gigabytes of RAM. So that had an awkward memory segmentation issue, too. And just like the 970, just no one talked about it back then because uh, NVIDIA didn't try to do that <laughs> with a high-end card until the 970. Uh, and I think that thing was typically what $150 and you could have gotten a 6850 for basically the same price. And yet people were getting the fucking 550 Ti that was like half the performance. It was insane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. 550 really... Ti was a, such a fucking dumb card. I, yeah. I, I, All right. I, we don't need to talk about the 550 Ti again, though. Well, but on the note of the 3090 Ti, which uh, I found a fun reason to steer away from my train of thought. You know, I'd say the 3090 Ti, though, ended up a bit better than expected. Some people thought it'd only be 5% better. It was like 12% better than the 3090 with well, having better thermals. It was quieter. And I think we can also say the same of the 6950 XT. That was it a solid at least 10% better than the 6900 XT. In this case, thanks to, I believe, they had a much, much, much faster infinity cash clock or something. Yeah, I mean, all that really thing was to, interesting. All I really have to say about the 6950 XT is the kind, like, when it came out, you know, if you're between buying one or the other, get the 6950 XT instead of the 6900 XT. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, unless it became, it, but it was still, you know, like, 50% more than a 6850 XT for 20% more performance, but I guess that's better than being 40% more for 10% more. 50 <laughs> for 20, 40 for yeah. 10. Yeah, it's a better deal. Um, yeah, I thought the 6950 XT was interesting. I think both that and the 3090 Ti pushed performance more than a lot of people were expecting. Having said that, I think the 6750 XT can get bent. That thing sucked. Uh, I, I, I tested are- it. I hated it. These are the types of like late gen upgrades that I almost have no thoughts about because it's like, oh, they figure they can get a little bit more money out of these dies before they send before they uh, finish production on them or something. And it's like, I, I, I don't I, I can't tell you that much about it. It's like, yep, a slightly more expensive, slightly more powerful 6700 XT that. I don't remember why you dislike the 6750 XT specifically. Because overclock but. to overclock, I found it was like oh, yeah. 1% better than the 6700 XT. I tested that. Oh, you yeah, have. yeah. Yeah, because you have an Asus 6700 XT. And I, I, I mean, I even found weird performance regressions at times. Like the thing was just not good enough and cost too much. And the 6650 XT, I was okay with. It's like, oh, I know they said the MSRP was $400 
But if we're being honest, that card stayed below MSRP most of its life while basically tying the 3060 Ti and 1080p while using less energy or, you know, it, it was okay. 6650 XT has gone on to become a $330 card that, I mean, wow, what about, or 300 or less now, I think. That's a decent, I mean, 1080p killer. And the 6750 XT to this day, I'm like, no, there's always a better option around it. Yeah, and like the six six fifty XT, I, I forgot the price. Like it was like MSRP was only like twenty dollars more than the sixty six hundred XT, and they tried. Which to get- was the same as the MSRP of a thirty sixty Ti, but the thirty sixty Ti was never at its MSRP. So yeah, and then the they tried to get away with selling the sixty seven fifty XT for seventy more than the sixty seven hundred XT. Which oh, was it five fifty? Was it five sixty nine? Five fifty. Oh, 550. Oh, right. Cause it was 480. Yeah. So that's dumb. They yeah, tried to charge 15% more for like 5% more performance. Whereas the 6950 XT was 10% more for 11% more. 6650 XT was like 5% more for, you know, 8, 10% more. That, the 6750 XT can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but a 67 product that cannot go to hell in my books is the ARC 6710 gigabyte, which I believe came out a little later. Uh, could have gone into the David episode, but I figured he didn't have much he wanted to say about it. I tested the 6700. It's going into PC I'm building for a friend. I like it. I, I mean, if that thing stays $300, that's my low end recommendation for the next year. Yeah, I, I mean, I have no time to test it. You, it, you seem to be pretty positive on it. And uh, how much does it cost again? Is it? 320 what 320 yeah 320 ish last time i checked yeah i mean for for the things that's competing against then like yeah that's that's a 30 50 that seems like the low that seems like the low end option to me at this point and i think it's important to highlight low end option means 6700 i imagine that's getting what 1440p high settings for the most part like uh 1440p ultra and battlefield at 120 pretty much locked and then in 4k i had minimums at 60 hertz in 128 player battles ultra so that's a good card (laughs) you know if you think about it you have a 6700 xt it should be overclocked to overclock 15 percent, 20 percent better so if you game typically at 4k 100 hertz right with like settings of a mixed medium to ultra well yeah so you get a hundred, let's get seventy mm-hmm. <laughs> or eighty or something. Yeah, and 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 the one I had overclocked, I just maxed out Watman. So uh, that's the other thing as well. Is if you're some people have brought up, what about the six six fifty XT versus the sixty seven hundred XT? Don't get me wrong, in ten eighty p they're about identical, but once you get past ten eighty p, one of them is thirty two megabytes of infinity cache, one has eighty. <laughs> so once you get out of ten eighty p. You can't really overclock the 6650 XT much. You can overclock the 6700 a ton. They just put a laptop chip on desktop. Um, and in 1440p, it pulls ahead by like 15% and 4K, 20%. And if you're only doing 4K, 60 or 1440p, 120, it easily does it while using the amount of energy a laptop uses. So it's pretty cool. It actually uses less energy, I think, than the 6650 XT. <laughs> so it's easy for me to recommend that. And, and it, it becomes a situation where it's like, if you're in 1080p or you want to save a lot of money, get the 6600 non-XT for 220. If you want yeah. more, this gets you 40% more for 40% more money. Everything else kind of seems like a no man's land to me. And yeah. Um Brett Summers writes in, he says, Hello, Danathan. 
promotes mm. Danathan, not Danathan. There's no confusion, Brett Summers. He says, I hope this finds you well. I'm curious to know a few of the games you play with your 6700 XT and what settings and frame rates thanks in advance. Um, I mean, uh, so games I'm playing right now, generally speaking, it's like Deep Rock Galactic, Call of Duty, and Age of Empires for the most part, and sometimes Battlefield 2042. Uh, usually I try to run games at 4K. I can generally get that to you by adjusting settings to somewhere between 80 and 100 frames per second. Deep Rock Galactic, I'm getting like 120, 140 frames per second. Um, and if I have to, I'll switch. I'll bump it down to 1440p if it, that can get to me to like 120 FPS. Mm-hmm. But I've got to say, like, especially Call of Duty uh, Two. I mean, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two. The Roman Again, numerals, not the, the return of the two. <laughs> the, the Roman numerals, not the le- number, Tom. Yeah. Um, I, I'm impressed by that game's performance with uh, FSR. I, I do FSR. They say this is a good showing for AMD, this game in general. This is the game where the 7900 XTX comfortably beats the 4090. Yeah, I, I do FSR uh, quality mode, and I can run that on 4K, obviously, I, 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 with other settings other than textures turned down, which I can always have textures on Ultra with 12 gigs of RAM. But with some settings adjusted down to like high or medium or whatever and FSR at quality mode on Call of Duty I'm generally getting uh around 100 frames per second so mm-hmm. yeah um and then I in deep rock isn't it you just FSR 4K it runs fine at 144 hertz there's always going to be insane scenes where there's a million glyphids at on screen that it yeah it, it a little well, it's usually like 120 to 140 hertz in ultra ba- yeah in bad st- in bad areas, it can drop to like ninety. And I noticed the spaceship thing, like the there's uh, weird areas that are the spa- CPU bottlenecks. You're messing with it last night. The spaceship is weird because I noticed that's one of the most variable, yeah, places of performance in that game. And the spaceship is like the hub of the game for people that don't play it, which you would typically expect to be less taxing than other parts of the game, but it's not. So I, I figure, like, if it doesn't drop below 100 FPS in the spaceship, it's fine <laughs> uh, when I'm actually playing the game. What do you And what settings do you use in Battlefield? Because with my 4090, that was when I was blown away by. I mean, it's like 70% usage maxed out completely <laughs> without DLSS on or something. It's silly. Oh, what is I, for, Battlefield, I, I'm like uh, 4K, mostly medium settings, um, quality mode. I, I mean, high not quality uh ultra for textures and i get around 100 fps in that game Mm -hmm. yeah so i i i think i basically told some people that i was having a conversation about various 6700 series cards the other day and they were like well dan games in 4k what does he use and i think i nailed it it's like eh, medium to ultra texture is always ultra in other words and you get around 4K 100 in basically every game. I don't know if there's any game where you have to turn it down below 4K anymore, right? Uh, no, I haven't in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Let us wrap up this episode then. There's the 3068 gigabyte. I don't think we have much to say about it. We had a reader mail about that asking if it can use GDR6X. And my answer is, I, I always thought it probably could, but if they are still not using it, and that is an interesting, I don't know. It seems like maybe not, but I'm not sure. 
Um, the final thing I wanted to bring up here, um, out of all the things we have, is 5800X3D and AM4 reaching end of life. Chris Rich wants us to ask, wants to ask, how would you rate the AM4 platform compared to all the others? You know what? I'll actually answer that first. I think it's the best platform ever made. I, I mean, I agree. I, I it, it lasted for five years. Um, definitely had some growing pains near the end, but they were able to get something to have uh, three generate four generations on it. Sorry, not three. And uh, I would say some of those are some of the best CPU generations we've seen in a long time. Like, I mean, Zen 1, Zen Plus, Zen 2, Zen 3, Zen 3X3D. Arguably oh. five gens. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Arguably. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty clearly one of the best generations of all time. I mean, platforms of all time. Like, they're still selling it alongside uh, AM5. And in a lot of ways, AM4 is still the most... Uh, if you care about optimizing price performance to any extent, still kind of the best platform that you can get right now. Yeah, because I mean, there's like AM3 plus, AM2, AM2 plus, but none of those really, AM3 plus at least, didn't have like flagship performance for half of its life and allow you to go from something as absurd as an eight core Zen one to either. 8 cores Zen 3 with Vcash or 16 cores Zen 3. I never really expected to upgrade, but when Zen 3 got cheap, I was like, I can get a 5950X 16 core for 450 and then sell my old Zen 2 CPU. I might as well pay 100 bucks if I'm going to take co- apart my desktop to fit a 4090 in it. And that's just something I've never been able to do before. And it's not just that it lasted a long time. You know, it's not like you're going from, what is it like, you know, Phenom 2 to pile driver. Ooh, you're mm-hmm. going from Zen 1 to Zen 3X3D. So I, I think it's the best platform. And I think the 5800X3D was a great swan song. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I don't know how much else I'm going to say here. I mean, there's MI300. I don't think you have much to discuss about that. No. I mean, I think it's going to be a monster. It was a, a funny conversation came up with Adored. Like, I do know that they're they played around with putting Navi, Navi RDNA three chiplets on MI three hundred, and it'd be hilarious if they made some like twelve chiplet gaming, <laughs> like hundred one thousand terra. One, it wouldn't be a thousand. It'd be it might be like four hundred teraflop graphics card. And then they just launch a $10,000 gaming champion and say, hey, we win. Who cares? Bye, everyone. <laughs> uh, but, you know, outside of that, I have not much else to say. And I, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Fishhawk Falls. I think we'll, I'll just discuss that with Dot, with you in the final one. But that was leaked this year, which was exciting to see the return of Intel Workstation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the final thing, I actually added it last minute. Optane Dying. I mean, any final thoughts for Optane? Uh, I don't know. I, I I just don't have much to say about Optane, really. Like, it was a thing that existed and never really reached consumers in any meaningful way. So, like, mm-hmm. I guess rest in peace to a platform that 
I mean, to a technology that never really did anything for most people <laughs> and never really delivered. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just, God, it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it's nuts, but, um, all right. That was the summer, you know, going back for like 30 minutes, looking over the beginning of 2022. I will continue this conversation with David for much more time going over all of those releases. And then we'll continue with looking forward to 2023. Before we do, though, I have one more reader mail. 0x000FF4 says, will we see a Titan with 48 gigabytes of memory this generation? Or must we just wait for the next one? I'm looking for a machine learning GPU and my budget is $10,000, but 48 gigabytes of RAM is a must. Well, Dan, you know that I actually have a lot to say about a potential Titan, don't I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Including uh, things that'll be nice to look at, everybody. That's I've been saving some leaks for the end of the year while I'm on vacation, so there's a non to a, a not very subtle teaser. Uh, but what I will also say is if your budget is $10,000, go get a 6000 Yeah. It's 300 watts. You can get it now. It is full 8102. Go get that now. Honestly, like, what are you waiting for? Um, but make sure you're subscribed to see what that leak is Yeah, in about a week, everybody. And, uh, I don't know. I'm falling asleep. I'm exhausted. The series will continue in the next episode with David. And then again with you and Dan and, uh, you know, it's been a great year of hardware. Mm-hmm. Don't let the disappointing news get rid of the fact that you can now get a lot of these cards for half the price we could last year. And I think things are going to keep getting better at least in a vacuum next year. Can't say all of the world's going to get better next year. We'll have to see on that one. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for support. Remember, if you subscribe to Moore's Law is Dead uh, uh, on Patreon, uh, you can get these podcasts early and ad-free throughout the holiday break. There will be exclusive podcasts only people who are supporting us on Patreon get. And, you know, just double check your subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. YouTube unsubscribes you sometimes. And, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Take care of yourselves and your loved ones. Yeah. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law's Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law's Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. 
Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, A.V., Anthony Greffa, Greg Patecki, Muhammad Al-Khwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Germany, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Shredbird, Brian Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchik, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brendan, Sammy Good, Valcom Aleb, The Boss, Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spamtum G. Spamtum, Jonathan, Lord Starstream, General Drips, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Moses, Aziris, Gregory S. Ecker, Dominique Cock, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Cameron, Christian Lavoy, Hardforum.com, Original Ross, Slicky, Lance Bassler, David Cowden, Ricky Tank, Chris Frey Butler, GZ Ziggy, Sarcastro, Stefan Hart, David Sebastian, Meat and Pork Stew, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jeskowiak, Travis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanyan, Chris Rich, Steepest Learners, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Simi Malas, Greg, Autrini, Patrick Grow, Annual Chief, Brett Summers, Milton, Stephen Dick, Tommy, Kundin, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, Mark Daffy, Dalmain Peterson, James Anderson, Marshall Pierce, Mark Raidmaker, Dave Schultz, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Norithio, Matthew Landavazo, Stefan, Cole Attic, Henry Zhang, Judson N, Brendan O'Connell, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics. Joseph Kelly, Noah Nicuela, Hexa Puma, Chrysantine, Jerem Ferrier, Mayor, Keith Moore, Keita Abdul Kadar, Precision, DNA Tech, Nicholas Alexandra, John O'Shea, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Slushpaw, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, AJSMMH, Neith Rizink, Mean Dean, Cal, Andre Jacques, Game and Sense Reagan, Jeff Sedler, Jordan Simkovic, Loophole 35, Winstar, William Welpe, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Nalima, John Sim, Shin, Justin Bussell, Kelfin, Austin Haggerty, Roger Davies, Shea, Julian Leaked, Corey Chappelle, Evan Dingle, C2, John Iverson, Samuel Park, Aaron, The Eternal Dreamers, Jansen, Ingima, Mark Central, Derek Lambing, Michael, Fours and Pours, Him Sagung, Robert Davidson, Space Channel 5, Beer Motor, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>